0: many of you are ready to just take 2020 and throw it right in the toilet and flush it man what a year this has been it's been incredible when you think about where we were and where we are now one of the greatest economies really booming and then covid hits and people are quarantined remember that what was it um Was it 15 days to stop the spread? Is that right? Yeah. It's like been six months. I remember leaving for India. We had one person. This is in our march. One person that died of COVID. uh, An elderly lady in the state of Washington. Today, over 200,000 people have died. And then in the midst of all that, we have this incident with George Floyd and these protests start happening. That then turn into to riots, just uh, anarchy, breaking into stores, just stealing, taking whatever you want, violence like we've never seen before. Policemen who are just shot, execution style, murders happening, assaults. And it's like, what in the world has happened? And like that video just just shared, is that we need to be children of light. We need to, during times like this, we need to share the gospel, don't we? And really this morning, that's, that's my message. We need to share the gospel. Now don't leave, I got a little bit more than that. And there's really, I'm gonna just talk with you four reasons why we need to share the gospel. One, it's powerful. Second thing is because we understand what it is to be human. It's not easy. And the third thing is just the passion, the divine passion for the gospel. And then probably the greatest motivation for sharing the gospel is just love. Those four. But the first thing we look at, we see our situation. And, uh, man, we just... We just can't believe it. We want to blame anybody, right? We're great at the blame game, are we not? I mean, right now, I mean, you're probably thinking you're looking at this and you're saying, well, government, that's the reason things are all messed up like they are, education institutions. You know, that's why everything's messed up like it is, what they're teaching in these schools nowadays. And, and, and we could go a number of different places, but what if the reason, the situation that we are experiencing right now, what if the reason was more than any of those was simply this, the silence of the church. Because we are not out there being soft and light and sharing the gospel, we see a decay going around us, which could easily actually be predicted. (laughs) And we want things to correct this, you know, like get the right candidate, you know. We get the right person, or we get the right Supreme Court justice. Woo! Then things will get straightened out and everything will look good. And I just say to that, baloney. It is not going to straighten it out, guys. It won't. We pass some new law, you know, we do whatever. It is not going to solve the problem. There is only one thing that has the power to solve this problem, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And until we get that into our skulls and know it and believe it and live it, it's not going to change. It is only, now listen to me, it is only the gospel that will transform a person, a family, or a community. I mean transform them. In fact, there's, there's nothing more powerful. Look, there's nothing more powerful in your life than the gospel. Did you know that? I mean, Paul said it like this. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. Name me something more powerful than God. There is nothing. And look, guys, you've got it. You've got the gospel. If you're a believer, man, you've got the most powerful thing on this earth, and it's a gospel. And it can take a rioter. It can take a crooked politician and turn them straight, Man. It can, it can take a vi, the vilest sinner and make them clean. That is the power of the gospel. But the problem is the church is silent. Instead of sharing it, we're keeping it to ourselves. And here's the point. When we go out these doors, when we go out this week, we need to be sharing the most powerful thing on planet Earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's when we'll see lives transformed. That's when we'll see communities transformed we see this power in a story i want to share with you out of the bible Uh, we see this power and uh and in this story we're going to really see all these reasons for sharing the gospel that i brought up to you but it's really powerful because of of the situation the context of what's happening and it's uh the story you all know it uh the two thieves on the cross Everyone knows that story. Jesus is crucified, one thief on one side of him, th- another thief on the other side of him. And uh, we're going to be reading in the Gospel of, uh, of Luke, but uh, in the Gospel of Matthew, uh, we won't turn there, but I just want you to reference this in your mind. It says that both of these thieves, both of them, were hurling abuses at Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ is dying on the cross, and both of these thieves are hurling abuses, then something happens. We don't know exactly what, okay? But something happens and it changes, it transforms one of these thieves. And so let's look at that story in in Luke chapter 23. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, are you not the Christ? Well, save yourself and us. But the other answered, And rebuking him said, do you not even fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed are suffering justly. For we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, truly, I say today to you, today you shall be with me in paradise. Wow, something happened up there, didn't it? Well, I tell you, these two thieves, to me, they really kind of represent society at large. Really, I mean, if you really, if you look at them, one, uh, they were hopeless, right? I mean, if, if you're tied to a cross, you know, can't use your hands. Roman guards down below you in case a rope broke or something. That's pretty hopeless, wouldn't you say? They were hopeless. In Ephesians, it talks about those who are lost, those who don't know Christ, that they are without hope. So they were hopeless. <laughs> the other thing we see about them that I think is a really, really uh, uh, a good picture of society today, those without Christ, is uh, uh, they were just hanging around, Right? What was next on their calendar? They had a pretty free calendar. What was next? Death. Just hanging around waiting to die. That's how most people live their lives. Just hanging around waiting to die. And there they were. One rejects Christ and one receives Christ. And what a transformation that was. But what I wanted you to see is just this this human condition that is in every one of us. You know, every one of us have laid our heads on our pillows at night before, haven't we? And and just kind of thought about, what is this all about? Have you ever thought that? What is all of this going? I mean, a a lot of people say, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to work, coming home, watching TV, going to bed, getting up, going to work, watching TV. What is this all about? And there's this... There's something missing. Do you know what I mean? Like something missing in all of this that people are trying to figure out. And that's something missing. And I believe it's something that God has placed in us so that we will look for him. In Ecclesiastes 3.1 it says that he has planted eternity in the human heart. And I think we think about that. What happens? What happens in eternity? After I die, what is going to happen? And that longing, that intense longing, is there. And people are looking for answers to to those questions. And guess what? You've got the answer. You've got it. They're hopeless. You've got hope. Do you understand that? The things that they need the most, the things that they are missing the most. You have the answer to it. You have the answer to this human condition that quite honestly doesn't really know what's going on. They know they're missing something. They know there's got to be something more. And you know what that something more is. That's why we need to share the gospel. Now people all the time are trying to fill that longing up, trying to satisfy it with different things. Uh, Whether it be religion, they'll try religion, or uh, maybe they'll try success. You know, they're really working hard, climbing the ladder of success, getting accolades from everybody, and then they climb and climb and climb that ladder of success till they finally get to the top of the ladder. And at the end of their life, they realize that ladder is leaning against the wrong building. Other people will try things like alcohol, drugs, just to stop the pain, to stop the longing to stop the worrying, to stop the wondering. And the world is always out there trying to distract. I mean, that's the biggest thing. This whole world system is designed to keep you from thinking about eternity, right? And one of the greatest tools is just distraction, distraction. So everything else becomes a big deal. Football games, uh, binge watching your favorite series, uh, whatever it is to keep you from thinking about your eternity. But deep inside every one of us, there is this human condition longing to know what happens to me after I die. I like what uh, C.S. Lewis said in his book, The Weight of Glory, and he talks about this longing and, uh, and how the world system kind of uh, combats that longing. And listen to his words, he says, Almost our whole education has been directed to silencing this shy, persistent inner voice. Almost all our modern philosophies have been devised to convince us that the good of man is to be found on this earth. See, the whole world system is designed to get people to not think about it. And God wants to use you to get them to think about it and give them the answer. Woody Allen, who's not a great theologian, but uh, he was putting together something for a speech to graduates. Can you imagine if you're a graduate listening to this? And while he meant this to be humorous, I think it really hits the nail on something that people feel. Talking to graduates from college. He says this, more than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness. The other to total extinction. Let us pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. I speak, by the way, not with any sense of futility, but with a panicky conviction of the absolute meaninglessness of human existence, which could easily be misinterpreted as pessimism. The statement's both humorous and, and tragic. It depicts, look, it depicts the real outlook of someone who does not have a solid foundation for meaning. Two men went on that cross. Both of them lost. Both of them hopeless. One believed, the other did not. The one surrendered to Jesus as Lord, the other did not. One who had lived a life of selfishness, taking what he wanted, was transformed into a servant of the kingdom. You almost wonder how they both died after this, you know? The one thief who hears, Today, you'll be with me in paradise. I mean, he had to be filled with with such joy. I mean, because he knew that when he died on that cross, his next step, his next destination was paradise. Because he placed his faith in Jesus Christ, man, he was going to heaven that's where he was headed forever and ever and ever and ever. And he did. He, he, he had faith. Remember what he said to Jesus? Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? So what kind of faith did he have? Well, first of all, he knew Jesus was king, didn't he? That's pretty big because the Bible tells us that unless, that one of the reasons or one of the ways you get saved is you have to be able to confess, get this, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, Jesus is King. What did he believe about Jesus? That Jesus had a kingdom, that Jesus was King. He says, remember me when you come into your kingdom, right? The other thing the Bible tells us that you have to believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Well, did he believe that? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Because he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, can I tell you what it looks like to the average viewer at those three crosses? All three of these guys are going to die, and they're not coming back. But that thief knew this. Jesus was coming back. (laughs) Death was not going to defeat him, and he was coming into his kingdom. And when you do, Jesus, remember me. And that thief was transformed. That thief had eternal life. I wonder what the other thief. Now, his, his... Final breaths had to be awful, straining. Just one more breath. Just one more breath. Just keep breathing, he thinks, as he strains through this time of torture and death. What will happen to me? What's going to happen? Just keep breathing. Whatever you do, don't stop breathing. What have I done? Where am I going? Does anyone care at all? Well, the one right next to him cared. Jesus, but he rejected him. Surely God understands, right? No one's perfect. How long? How long is forever? Final breath. Right now. Listen to me right now. Final breaths are happening all over the world. And they're struggling. We struggle on this human condition of longing and we need to share the good news with them. Because you know, and the reason I kind of start here, because you know what it feels like to be human, then you know how important it is to share the gospel. But let me give you even a better reason. And that is that in these this story with these two thieves and Jesus, we have glimpsed God's passion for people. We get a glimpse of it there. I mean, look, he's dying, right? Jesus is dying on the cross. And what does he take time to do? <laughs> he's, in some ways, somehow, shared the gospel with this thief and then assured him, today you'll be with me in paradise. That is passion for lost souls. And we see that divine passion throughout the Bible. You know, it's really hard to explain that passion. I mean, we talk about it, it's theoretical, but I wanted to maybe give you a, a way to understand it a little better, not completely, but a little better. Imagine if you lost your child. I don't know, you're in the store, you're, you're at Disney World, whatever, you lost your child. Immediately, what do you do? You start looking. You're looking like crazy. I mean, every fiber of every muscle, every nerve is attuned to finding that child. And if someone says, I got him, but you're going to have to pay me, man, you're ready to pay. What's the ransom? I want my child. In the same way, that's what Jesus has done for us. He was willing to pay that ransom. Jesus tells stories about how he longed for us and how he looked for us. Do you remember the story of the shepherd looking for the lost sheep? He left the 99 and Jesus went looking for that sheep. Remember the woman who had 10 very valuable coins and lost one, what'd she do? She swept that house, man, she turned it upside down. Why? To find the coin that was lost. And probably the most powerful story about the father who lost his son. What was that father doing? Man, he was looking, every day looking for that son to return home. And Jesus is saying, this is the longing, just like that shepherd, just like that woman, just like that dad. The longing that Jesus had for you. That's why he left the glories of heaven. You know, in my mind, I imagine these stories. I'm kind of crazy, you know, like that. I just think of these things, imagine them happening. And I just kind of imagined Jesus before he came down here, you know? And and how that, you know, went. An angel speaking to him and saying, well, Jesus, if you go down there, you know, for those people, if you go down there, you realize you're leaving all this, all the glory of heaven. Are you willing to do that? And Jesus says, yeah, I am. He says, but if you do that, when you go down there, you realize you're going to get hungry, you're going to get thirsty, you're going to get tired, and you're going to be rejected. Are you willing to do that? And Jesus says, yes, I am. He said, but But you also understand that they're going to take you and and beat you. And then they're going to nail you to a cross, put a crown of thorns on you, and you're going to bleed and you're going to be in pain. Are you willing to do that? And Jesus says, yes, I am. But I tell you this, I believe the greatest question came at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus saw that moment when all the sins of the world were going to be placed on him, my sins, your sins, were going to be placed on him, and he would be separated from his heavenly Father. And you see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane crying out in response to that, Abba, Father, if it be possible, let that cup, let that one pass away from me. Not that one. Separation from you but nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's passion. That is passion for you, that is love for you like you have never experienced in your life. We talked about the thief's last words. I think it's very uh, interesting, Jesus' final words on the cross, and I know you remember those but he's placed there. Remember, he looks down at those Roman soldiers who had just beat him, who had just nailed him to that cross. And what does he say? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He takes another breath. And then that moment comes that cup of the wrath of God that he has to drink fully and that my sins are placed on him. Your sins are placed on him at the cross and he cries out, oh God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? That should have been us crying out. We should have cried that cry. But Jesus did that for us as our sins were placed upon him and he was separated from the Father. He takes another breath and with a statement of faith he simply says Father into your hands I commit my spirit. Last act of faith in his heavenly Father. One more breath. Just enough to cry out one more thing. And he says, It is finished. The ransom has been paid. It's finished. I have won the victory over sin and over darkness. It is finished. And he has reached out to you. In victory, saying, Come to me. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him. He has won that victory for you. That is passion, divine passion, like we have never seen in our lives. It's interesting when we look at the Heavenly Father, we look at God and His divine passion for us as well. We see that in Isaiah 53. In Isaiah 53, we're talking about Messiah. That's what Isaiah 53 is all about, okay? It's the suffering servant, the Messiah. And, uh, um, and it speaks about Yahweh. And the Messiah is Yahweh's servant, okay? And it starts off, it says, but he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was crushed, get that word, crushed for our iniquities. He says that in verse four. He was crushed for our iniquities. And then it goes on, it talks about that we've all like sheep have turned have gone astray, turned to his own ways. But the Lord, Yahweh, has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him, to fall on Jesus. Then what's so incredible, as you go all the way down to verse 10, it says, but the Lord was pleased, and there's that word again, to crush him. The Lord was pleased to crush the divine Son of God, was pleased to crush him. Why? Why would he be pleased for something like that? Because that is the only way for him to have a relationship with you. Do you see that? God the Father loves you so much that he would be pleased in the suffering of God the Son because that means he has a relationship with you. And the truth is, the Lord is not willing that any should perish. He wants us to go out and share that passion and share that good news with others. In fact, in the New Testament, we're, said, we're told we'll receive the Holy Spirit, right? In fact, that we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible tells you that you, that you will receive power, right? Get this, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. That's right. You're not going to become a faith healer. You're not going to become even a great preacher. You're not going to become a great leader even maybe. But you will be a witness. Every single one of you, the Holy Spirit is living within you. That is the passion of God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And because of that passion, we need to be out there sharing So we share because we know it's power. It's the very power of God. We share because we understand the human condition. We're all human here. And then because of the passion that God has. The final thing is because of, because of just love. Love of Christ, love of others. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us. That's what the love of Christ does. The love of Christ works in us in such a way that we want to be ambassadors for Christ. The love of Christ works in us in such a way that we want to be ministers of reconciliation, reconciling men to God and their lives being transformed and God being glorified. And so that love makes us want to do that. In fact, Jesus said it very simply. He put it to where even I could understand it. He says, if you love me, obey me. So the, really, the question when it comes to sharing the gospel is one of love. You know, I, we can kind of feel that with our family in a way. You know, I love some things that I don't normally love because of my family. Like, I can't stand soccer. How many of y'all like soccer? Yeah, don't raise your hands. No, put those. <laughs> I mean, I'm walking under, you know, no reason they yell when they score because it happens so rarely. You know, watch an hour of torture before anyone does anything. But in any case, but you know what? My little granddaughter plays soccer. Yes, she does. And you know what that means? I love soccer. (laughs) That's right. In fact, I went to see her last weekend, and uh, man, you know how they all get in groups? Well, the ball kind of bounced out, and she was there, and she went running, and she kicked it, and she kicked it again, and then she kicked it right in the net. Goal! I did just like those soccer announcers. Goal! And then I took my shirt off and I ran around the middle of the field waving. To <laughs> the point is, I love soccer because I love her. I love sharing the gospel because I love him. I love what he did for me, I love his passion for me. The love of Christ compels me. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do with this truth? What are you going to do with the fact that you know, you know the love of God, the passion he had for you? You know how miserable it is out there for those without Christ. You know that. And you, you have the most powerful thing on planet Earth, the power of the gospel. What are you going to do? The fact is, if you can look back at your life, maybe just look back at the last year, and you look at that year, and you've really, you really hadn't done squat in sharing the gospel. Maybe you, have, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but you look back at that, and you say, I, no, I really haven't. Then I would encourage you check your heart, check your heart. You can't be fully in love with Jesus Christ and not share the good news about him. Love compels us to share the gospel. So when you go out there, you need to think, what do I need to do? Here's the thing, every one of you has a story. Every one of you, if you're a believer, has been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And that's your story. And guess what? You are an expert on that story. You can go out there and share that, and people can't say, No, it didn't happen that way. (laughs) You go out there and share that story of how Jesus changed your life. They may reject you, but I guarantee you the gospel has power. It'll work, it'll be in there convicting, it'll be doing its stuff. The only time the gospel has no power is when it's not shared. So what do you do with this? What do you do when you go out those doors? I had one guy come up to me after the service. He said, "Steve, this is what I'm going to do. I'm writing my son. He's lost in another state, and I haven't spoken to him, and I'm writing him a letter, pouring out my heart to him and telling him he needs Jesus. What's your next step? Get with God, figure that out, share your story. Now, let me tell you, there's some here where your next step is really the one that the thief took in surrendering his life to Jesus Christ right there on the cross. I mean, you couldn't share the gospel because you really don't have the gospel. You don't really possess it. In fact, you may have been doing some of those things, religion, you've been doing the religious stuff, maybe you even come to church a lot, Right? But you still, you know that you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, that is the most powerful question for you right now, is what will you do with Jesus? Because we're all like that thief hanging on the cross, just waiting to die. But Jesus wants a personal relationship with you. He has a passion for you. So here's what I'm saying to you. If you don't know, then that is the one thing you must know. Do I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And if that is something you want this morning, you can have it. It took the thief just a minute on the cross. It did not take long. It's simply turning from your sins and turning to him as Lord, believing that he rose from the dead. If that's you, this is what I want you to do. I'm going to lead in a prayer. I want you to pray with me. These are not magic words, by the way. <laughs> you have to pray them from your heart to God. But if right now you're not sure, you want to be sure, or maybe you know that if you were to die, you, you wouldn't be going to heaven, then I want you right now to pray with me. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner. I've blown it. And I ask you to forgive me for all my sins. I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins and that he rose again. And at this very moment, I am turning away from all those sins. I'm turning completely to Jesus Christ. And I ask you, save my soul. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.